0: Well, welcome back to the PWH Podcast. I'm so glad that you're joining us. This is our third week talking about relationships. Now, today we're going to get into a very... in-depth look at how God created men and how he created women to be and the roles we play in our relationships. Now, let me give you just a quick disclaimer. A lot of the things that I'm going to say, well, maybe not a lot, some of the things I'm going to say, I will be absolutely crucified for by our culture. But just because the culture doesn't agree with what I'm saying or what the Bible says doesn't make it untrue. So I want to put the relationships between men and women in, um, for, uh, in, in the context of a sports analogy, let's say you're on a football team. Okay. You've got the center and you've got the wide receiver. The wide receiver is usually more slender and, uh, athletic and fast and agile, able to catch the ball and run with it and dodge tackles and all that stuff. The center is not slender and he is not agile. The center is snaps the ball and he's on the front line and he protects the quarterback with his he's just a big block of steel right there. If you were to switch the two roles and you put this center as a wide receiver, he would never catch a ball because his hands aren't as finely tuned. And he certainly is not as fast or agile as a wide receiver. And if you put the wide receiver at the center to snap the ball and then block the other team's line going for the quarterback, he'd just be pummeled because he probably weighs 130 pounds less than the other guys. Maybe more in some cases, I don't know. Uh, but it's, But then you ask the question, so which person is more important on the team? Well, if you don't have the center, then the quarterback won't be protected. And he can't throw the ball to the receiver and you can't score. And if you don't have a receiver, then who's the quarterback going to throw the ball to? So which is more important? I would argue that neither is more important. They're equally important. The difference is they have different roles to play on the team. Equally important different roles. Okay. You guys following me on that? All right, good. So here we go. Let's talk about, um, how God created man and woman from the beginning. Okay. So God made man first. All right. That's important to understand. It doesn't mean man's better. It doesn't mean woman is worse. It just means God made man first. And there is a reason for that, that we're going to get into today. So God made man first from the dust of the ground, And then uh, it says later on in Genesis chapter two, it says that it's not good for man to be alone. So there was a time when man was alone and he didn't have a woman. So what does the next verse in the Bible say? Well, if I were writing the Bible and what seems logical to me is, well, it's not good for man to be alone. Therefore, God created the woman and boom, everybody was happy. Well, that's not exactly what it says. It says, not good for man to be alone. So God brought all the animals to Adam so that he could name them. Now, naming them wasn't just saying, you know, flippant, frivolous names like, ooh, you look funny. You're a hippopotamus and you're a giraffe. It's it's not naming like that. It's the process of discovery. It's the process of classification. It's the process of just of, of studying nature, and studying God's good creation, and then naming it accordingly. It was a big job. It's the job of a supremely intelligent person. And so in Adam's discovery and study of God's creation and all of all the animals and all the plants and all this stuff, it says that he didn't find anybody that was comparable to him. In other words, he in his study in his his understanding of the animal kingdom, he's he sees that maybe of the same species of animals, some animals are bigger than the others, and maybe some have different body parts than the others. And about a year later, you see Mama Bear and Papa Bear, and now we have Baby Bear. Um, but it says none of them was a helper suitable for him, and and i want to next week we're going to talk about the word helper it is not a machismo word the bible is not a machismo or chauvinistic book we will explain that next week in relationships part 4 but it says there was not a helper suitable for him in other words adam looks at everything that he's studied everything that god has created and he says there is nothing that walks like me that talks like me, that sees like me, that thinks like me, that relates to God like me. No, there's, there's nothing like me. And so he makes this discovery as he's studying the animals. And this discovery was, hey, where's my mate? Everybody else has their mate. Where's my mate? Now it says God put Adam to sleep. Now Adam... Uh, Adam has made the discovery that God needed him to make before he gave him the woman. And there's a reason for that. And the reason because it was because God wanted Adam to be so enamored with the woman he's going to give. He wanted him to recognize the, the, the supreme value and intricacy of the person that he was going to give. So that in Adam's mind, there would never be any question of the equality of this woman and the amazing value and importance that she was going to play. Okay, so now Adam's made this discovery. There's nobody like me. Now God puts him to sleep. And the Bible says that God took a rib from Adam's body and he made the woman but he made her in a different part of the garden. He didn't make her right next to Adam. That comes into play in just a minute, and I'll explain why. But there's such a beautiful picture of redemption in God taking the woman from the rib. Why did he take it from here? Why didn't he take it from the head? Well, she wasn't going to be his ruler. Uh, Why didn't he take it from his his leg or his foot because she certainly is not going to be his, uh, his, the carpet that he's going to walk on. He's not going to walk all over her. Oh no, 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 no. He took her from his side so that she would be equal with him. Took him from his side so that she would stand alongside him and rule and reign together with him. Now, later on, after a relationship had been broken and everything fell into sin and God sent Jesus to redeem us. When Jesus redeemed us on the cross, he bled from five different places. He bled, He bled from his head, his hands, his side, head, hand, side, back, and feet. Okay. And each one of those things has a very specific redemptive quality and redemptive message in it. I don't want to go into all five because that's not the purpose of this podcast today. But I want to talk about why he bled from the side. After he had died, the Roman soldier stuck him in the side with a spear, right through the ribs and probably right into the heart. The Bible says that the church is the bride of Christ. Bible says in the book of Revelation at the very end, in chapter 21, it says that the new Jerusalem is coming out of heaven like a bride adorned for her husband. Ephesians chapter 5 talks about The mystery of marriage is unraveled in Jesus and his church. Jesus will marry the bride of his church just as a man marries a woman here on earth. And that it is a a complementary mystery. Marriage is the metaphor of what the relationship God wants to have with us is. But the church... Or, or meaning us, we needed to be redeemed from our sins. And so when Jesus hung on the cross, and he died and shed his blood for our sins, and he was jabbed in the side, it's, it's, it's as if he was jabbed right where the bride was taken from his body. And it was a sign saying, I am being pierced for you. I'm shedding my blood for you. And as that spear goes through my side, it is to redeem my bride. That's the kind of love Jesus has for us. And that's the same kind of love husbands are supposed to show their wives. A sacrificial, self-giving, self-denying love that seeks for their best far above our own best. Okay. So what, what a beautiful thing. So now God takes the rib out of Adam. Adam's asleep. God's doing some sort of surgery. He knocks Adam at, out with some sort of anesthesia. And I, I'm i just making that up. I don't know if it was an anesthesia or not, but he was in a deep sleep and God goes to another part of the garden to create the woman. How do I know he's in another part of guard, of the garden? Because it says when Adam woke up, That God brought the woman to the man. If he made her right next to him, he would have just woken up and see her and said, hey, this is awesome. But no, he went to another part and he brought the woman to the man. And I want you to see this in the context of a wedding covenant. What is the typical thing that is done all around the world when a woman is getting married to a man? What does the father do? The father typically, is the one who will give his daughter away to her husband. How amazing. That is what God is doing. God is Adam's father and God is Eve's father. And so God has made this amazing human being called woman. And she's more beautiful than the man is. She's more delicate than the man is. She's in many respects, more awesome than the man is. And God knows this. And God knows that she needs a covering as well. And we'll get to that in just a moment. So God, I want you to see God walking through the garden and he has the woman on his arm like this, and he is bringing her to the man just as a father walks his daughter down the aisle. What an amazing, um, beautiful picture of what God thinks of man, what God thinks of woman, and what God thinks of marriage between the man and the woman. That's how God designed it. And it's such a beautiful thing. That's what God thinks of marriage and the covenant that is made. And that's where you get that first covenant in Genesis chapter 2, after Adam sees the woman, he says, he says, now this is why a, a man shall leave his father and mother and, be, and cling to his wife. Adam didn't say those words, but the Bible does say that. A man shall leave his father and mother and be one with his wife. But when Adam sees God bringing the woman to him, he says, he says, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh she shall be called woman because she was taken from the man now check this out he says this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh why why did he say that because remember previously he had only seen animals and he discovered that there is nothing comparable to him and so when he sees the woman he says oh there's somebody who's walking with god in other words she relates to god the way i do She walks like I do. She looks like I do. She talks like I do. She thinks like I do. She's bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She's one of me. She's the person that I have been missing. Wow. You know why he called her woman? Because when he saw her, he said, whoa, man. Now, I know that's a cheesy old joke, and I hope you got a little laugh out of it, but, but in some respects, that's got to be true. I mean, guys are very visual. We're very attracted to the way a woman looks, and all he's seen is bears, hippopotamuses, and dogs, and cats, and now he sees this woman walking towards him, and he says, I mean, his mind must have just, this is awesome and it was and so now the two have become one they are in covenant together under the blessing of god now let's get into the relationship roles we started by talking about the different roles of different team members now that we have a covenant relationship between the man and the woman we have a uh, we we've got uh, the roles that god has now specified Okay, so the role of the man, well, let's just talk about physiologically. Well, No, let's talk about gender first, then we'll get to the physiological. There are only two genders, scientifically, spiritually, biblically, there are only two genders. There is no such thing as a third gender, much less 169 different genders. That's just ridiculous. To, to call somebody's own personal preference and label it as a gender is actually nonsensical to me. Well, I prefer uh, this. Well, that means that's my gender. That, that that makes no sense. Gender is in your DNA. It's in your genetic makeup. It's in your chromosomes. It's in your physiological being. It's in your even your emotional being. We'll get to that in just a few moments. But but you are what you are. And just because some people in this world feel like, you know, uh, you know, they're inside they're They're a woman trapped in a man's body or man trapped in a woman's body means that there's some sort of disconnect between what's going on up here and what their genetics actually say and what their emotionally emotional makeup actually is. And I know the the culture will crucify me for saying what I just said, but crucified or not, It's true. It is true. That's how God made life to be. And if there's a disconnect, if you're listening to this or watching this right now, and there's a disconnect between your inner person and your outer person, there is freedom for that in Jesus Christ. God did not make a mistake when he made you a man. He didn't make you, didn't make a mistake when he made you a woman. He made you exactly how he made you to be. And if the brokenness of our world, the brokenness of our spiritual state, the brokenness of sin has distorted something in you, then God can fix it. Let me just tell you something. lest You think I'm just talking about uh, uh, transgenderism or homosexuality. Sin distorted and broke something in all of us. That's not the issue that I struggle with. I don't struggle with transgenderism, never have. I struggle with other things that Jesus needs to fix in me. But if that's what you struggle with, Jesus needs to fix that. The Bible says that we are all sinners. We are all broken and we all need a savior and Jesus is our savior. I wanna get off that topic now because I wanna come back to the topic of relationships and gender roles. So physiologically, let's talk about the men first. Physiologically, we're, we're bigger and we are stronger, generally speaking. The way we think emotionally is much more linear. Um, uh, women are more diminutive in stature. They are more emotional and more connected in the way they think about things. That's not good. It's not bad. It's not better. It's not worse. It just is. Why? Because we were made for different roles on the team. Okay. So, um, my wife and I have done premarital counseling with many, many couples and we've gone through the same material before, but often I will ask, actually almost every time I ask the, the man a, f- a couple questions and the women a couple questions. And, and I'll ask this to the woman first. I'll say, how long did it take you guys to get to my house? And, and oftentimes, not every time, but oftentimes she has to think about it. And she'll either say, I'm not sure. Or she'll say, "Uh, 20, 30 minutes. And then I'll ask the same question to the guy. I say, how long did it take you to get here? Almost every time it'll say, it took us about 15, 15 16, 17 minutes. And, and it's it is right on. Uh, because men are more linear in their uh, in their thought process. Women are more emotional and emotionally connected to things. Again, it's not good, it's not bad, it's not better, not worse. It just is. Um and and then I'll I'll ask the, the woman, I'll say, uh, where is North? And and most times, occasionally, with with thinking the woman will get it right. Most times probably 95% of the time she'll say I have no idea. And then I'll ask the guy where's north and he'll say north is that way. Almost every time. Now occasionally the it'll it'll reverse but as a general rule that's kind of how it goes. And it's because we are more conscious of direction, we're more conscious of time. That's why men are tend to be more punctual than women. Again, not always but as a general rule of thumb, men are usually more punctual than women. We're conscious of that stuff, and, and, and it's more of an emotional connection with the woman. And so, um, but that has to do with the different roles that God made us to have. Because we're more linear, we're, we tend to be more logical about things. And that, again, is not to say that a woman can't be logical. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that as a general rule, this is how men are. Um, it's because God made us first. He made us bigger. He made us stronger to help fulfill the role that we have. Our role as men and husbands is to be the covering of our wives and our families. Um, we are, let's just say we are the roof of the home and the woman is the heart of the home. Okay. So I live in a very beautiful house. And it's not beautiful because I made it beautiful. It's beautiful because my wife made it beautiful. I've got great kids. I, we've got, we we eat really good. And my wife is a great cook and she's a great mother. And, and we have not just a beautiful house. We have a beautiful family. And that is mostly due to my wife. It's not that I I don't do anything for my family. I do a lot. It's not that I don't help raise the kids. I do a lot. And it's not that I don't um, don't care because I do. But women have a way of being that makes a house into a home and makes a group of people into a family. I'm the senior pastor of our church. Our church is called Pathway SFV. And uh, and my wife pastors alongside me. I'm good at vision. I'm good at preaching. I'm good at teaching and and all that kind of stuff. But my wife, if you came to our church, you would be amazed at, at the family feel that our church has. That is from my wife, almost exclusively from my wife. She's taken our church and made it into a church family. And she just has a grace about her, an emotional connectedness about her that men just generally don't have. So what's more important, to think linearly or think emotionally? Different roles on the same team. God made us to be the protector. He made us to be the covering. He made us to, um, he made us to be the security. He made the women to be the heart. And when everything functions as God designed it, it's amazing. Again, I want to reiterate, and I can't reiterate enough, it's not saying one is better than the other. It's not saying men are better than women because they're the roof and they're the heart. No, 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 not at all. Let me prove it to you. Bible says that God made man, uh, humanity in his image and in his likeness. That means everything a man is. The way a man thinks, not talking about the sinful, the sinful things that destroy in either men or women. I'm not talking about that, but the way a man is, the way a man thinks, the way generally men are comes straight from God because that's how God is. But it also says in Genesis 1, 26 through 28, it says male and female, he created them in his image and likeness. Therefore, the emotional and interconnected and nurturing way a woman is also comes from God because that's who God is, too. God is not man and God is not woman. God is spirit. And what is maleness comes from God. And what is femaleness also comes from the same God. So how can one be better than the other when they come both from the same spirit and that God made them so beautifully, so amazingly, so different that when they come together, man as God's image and woman as God's image, the marriage together becomes a symbol of the fullness of God's image. Wow. That's one of the reasons that transgenderism and homosexuality does not work in God's kingdom. It's not the way he created it to be. It's because when two men want to marry each other and live in that kind of intimate union or two women There is something of God's image that is not being completed. Man was not designed to be with man and woman was not designed to be with woman. When it says that man, it's not good for man to be alone, God did not make another man. And just because you may feel attracted to the same gender does not mean that God created you that way. It means that there is sin on the inside of us that has damaged something of us. And Jesus came to restore whatever sin has damaged in you. But God designed the family to be a representative of the Trinity. You have father and mother and then child. Well, isn't the Trinity like father and son and spirit? And the Holy Spirit has very feminine qualities, uh, about him. We'll get into that next week, by the way. We'll talk more about how the damaged relationship uh, fell apart and how uh, God made uh, made a way for it to be restored. We'll talk about that next week. But let's continue with the gender roles right now. So, um, So God made man to be the cover. He made the woman to be the heart. And when things are functioning in that way, it's a happy household. I have a happy household. I am the, I am the, the covering and the security of my wife. Now we've been married for over 18 years. We're going on 19 years right now. And, um, I am no, by no means an expert on women, but I have been married long enough to figure a few things out. My wife and I have sat down with another, uh, with, with, um, enough couples, dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of couples, talking about marital issues in all different parts of marital life from pre-marrieds to people who have been married for 30, 40 years and everything in between. We've done this enough to figure out some things that women need from men and what men need from, from women, what husband needs from wives, wives need from husbands, husbands need their wives, respect wives, need security and covering from their husband. Now, what I'm about to say could be interpreted as chauvinistic or machismo. And it's not. But God designed the wife to respond to her husband's covering and leadership. That is the design God made. And next week, we'll see how all that got flipped on its head and and the, the trouble and the strife that that caused in the marital relationship. But as the covering... God designed us to provide that security for our wives, and as the heart, God designed the wife to receive that covering and to be protected by. So, so I have identified four things that the husband needs to provide the wife in order for her to feel secure. First, is emotional security not that she's not that she's fragile emotionally? Oh my gosh, she's she's not fragile emotionally. You, you ever see <laughs> what happens when a guy gets sick versus a woman gets sick? Oh my gosh, it's just the little sniffles, and the guy's you know getting ready to to give up his his life, and he's about to die on his bed, and a woman gets something far worse than the sniffles, and she still keeps going. And and emotionally, men can be much more fragile than women. And, and that comes into what the helper is. We'll talk about the helper next week as well. Um, but she needs the emotional support you can't just go to work and then come home and then flip on the TV where you're physically there, but you're emotionally absent. And she wants to talk to you. She wants to know how the day was. She wants to make, she is looking for the emotional connection. Guys are looking for that physical connection. We talked about the sexual relationship last week, but if, but guys, if you don't meet your wife on the emotional level, then she's going to have a hard time meeting you on the physical level. She needs, that, she needs to know that you're not just there, but that you're there for her. You're not just in the house, but you're available for her to lean on, to talk to, to feel like she's valued and honored by your engaging with her. And so if you don't meet her there, she's going to relate to you on an insecure level and a level that will ultimately damage you as a man and damage the things that you need from her as your wife. The second one is financial and that's but not to say uh, that a woman can't work outside the home or women are just frail little beings that that need to depend on a man for everything. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying there is an order within marriage and 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 traditionally the man has been the one who provides for the house. And and I've seen this too many times in my own marriage my, which my wife does work, she works with me at the church and she does some other things as well. Um, but, but, uh, if, if the man is not working, if he's not providing, if he's not, um, uh, if he's frivolously spending money on things and he's taking away from the household, he's going to cause insecurity in the woman. And she's going to relate to you on an insecure level. What things, uh, might, might be considered as angry responses from your wife to you might at the root level be insecure because you're not providing that security for her as her husband. The third thing is um, physically. Are you physically available for her? And I'm not talking only on a sexual level. Are you physically protective of her, not in a jealous, com- uh, common, uh, domineering way? Uh, but are you, when you're out, does she feel safe with you? Do you live in a place where she feels safe? That's that's your job to help provide that security for her. And if you don't, she's going to relate to you in an insecure way. And the last one is spiritually. Are you leading your house spiritually? Or is she the one that always says, oh, the kids need to go to church, or we ought to go to church, or let's pray before we go to bed, or we ought we really ought to read the Bible together, or we ought to do something. Or or are you, as the man, saying, I am going to lead my house and provide that covering and that security? from my house if you don't she's going to relate to you in an insecure way and i have talked to so many women over the years who have told me i wish my husband would lead i'm the one who has to push us i'm the one who has to take us to church i'm the one and he's just he doesn't want to come and he doesn't want to lead or guys it's you need to step up okay we're going to leave it there today so just a quick recap, everybody has a different role. Everybody has different ways of thinking. The family looks like the Trinity, and God made you to, made the men to be the covering, made the women to be the heart. And when people are in their correct roles, then things work out really nice. We'll see you next week. Next week, we're going to go part four. We're going to see how the relationship got destroyed into sin and, and how Jesus helps recover the relationship. You can find us on pwh.tv. You can uh, find us at Pathway Home on YouTube where we, we uh, produce all of our materials. God bless you. You can also find us on TikTok at Pathway Home and on Instagram at pwh.tv. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week.